Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Well, I get the pleasure to uh, bring the word this morning, and I'm excited about that. This was a... This is... uh, Interesting. I, I sometimes it's like, hey, I've been reading these books, I've been studying this, so I'm like, oh, it's a no-brainer. That's what I'm going to speak on, and I'm going to dive into that hard. And um, I really enjoyed. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed Eric's sermon last week. Um, Jesus is Lord is what that sermon was about, and that is a must. That is a must for us as followers of Jesus. I say this often. There's several believers, but there's few followers of Jesus. Lots of people believe in him. Almost nobody follows him. That's, a, that's, that's just a fact. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no questioning that. Well, I, I said yes to Jesus, therefore I'm a follower. You can say yes to Jesus and believe in him, but unless you actually obey his commandments, which are written on your heart. It's not the letter. It's, it's what's written on your heart. Unless you listen to the Holy Spirit living in you, you don't follow Jesus. You follow yourself, and you do whatever you want to do, and that's pleasing to your flesh. So this is the deal. Uh, I would know. I've uh, I've I've said in name many for oh I'm a I'm I'm a I'm absolutely a follower of Jesus, and then I I look at my life and I'm like man if I was a follower of Jesus. I wouldn't be dabbling in this. I wouldn't be fooling around in that. And, and for me, over the years, I've just finally said, you know what? Then he really is the Lord of every part of my life. He has to be, or else I'm not following him. Just like I've said to you guys before, uh, in a marriage, unless you're married in every way, in some ways, you're divorced. Unless you are, are partnered together with your finances, you're not married financially. You're divorced financially. You didn't like that. I just used the D word, did you? But you bring that satanic stuff around me, Ryan. I'm sorry, but you were actually designed to live fully connected. We're going to talk about two areas of connection today. Um, of course, we're going to talk about marital connection. And then you're like, well, I'm not married, so I'm out of here. No, just hang out. Uh, we're going to talk about being connected in the family, the family of believers. Uh, the, the capital C church and the lowercase c church, which that would be this here room, uh, so we're going to talk about those two things. But like I said last week, I, I, I like this. This is my, my, little, my thoughts from last week's sermon. Saying yes to God's lordship over our life means we say no to the world. However, saying yes to our own ideas, thoughts, actions, desires means we say no to God. There is no parallel cruising. This is true in a marriage, too. I think a lot of the times we think that there's like a idea that we're doing okay, and we've been doing okay for a while. It's not really getting any better, but it's not getting worse. I'm sorry, you just lied to yourself. You can only be going towards Jesus or away from Jesus. There's no, there's no like, oh, he's over there, I'm right here, we're kind of cruising right along. It's like, no, I am going with Jesus towards Jesus or I'm going away from Jesus. The exact same concept is applicable in your marriage. You're either going towards your spouse or away. 
See, but you don't like that because you, I don't like that. Let me say it like this. I don't like that because then it's like, well, I've been doing okay. It's like, no, it, I love the, uh, uh, Bill and I have been talking about this. They're reading the, the four laws of love and it talks about de, uh, depositing love and withdrawing love. There's no like equal deal. It's like you're either taking or giving. I'm, I'm trying to lay out an idea here that we have got to emphasize God's lordship in our life and get very radical and serious about it. But that just doesn't mesh well with our schedules, does it? I don't want to get radical about God's lordship over my life. Then I'd have to not be so involved with uh, all my, my things and all my shows and all my people and places that I visit and all the stuff I do. And then, I, you know, I like the compartmentalized Sunday morning is for God. And then, you know, I pray before I eat food, maybe before I go to bed, and that's all I need. Yeah, but that's just, you, you, you're not really living for Jesus. You, Jesus is conveniently fit into your schedule. And it is not following Jesus. That's being a believer. I want to be a radical follower of Jesus. Jesus says to the disciple that asked him, say, hey, Jesus, can I bury my dad first before I come follow you? He says, let the dead bury their own dead. Let the dead bury the dead. Come follow me now. Well, that's heartless. What is this Jesus? That's heartless and cruel. I think you're misunderstanding the point if you think that's heartless and cruel. The point is, right now is the time to get radical about Jesus. It's not tomorrow. It's not when it fits in your schedule. It's not when the, 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 uh, the, the, the conference happens and I get radical for Jesus and then I roller coaster up and then I leave that and I go right back to my worldly living. It's not that. It's always full on I need to radically live for Jesus because every moment you're apart from him, your soul should ache. So it's about, so I'm trying to get a picture here of how can I spend time with Jesus all the time and if I don't, what is the side effect (laughs) kind of in my life? So let's talk about a few things. Let's talk about specifically connection. We see in Genesis 2.18, this is the idea of by design. Says, uh, so if you know nothing about the story, what's happened at this point is um, God's created the heavens and the earth and he's created everything on the earth and he's now created the animals and man and everything's done per se, just about done. And it's God and Adam in the garden. So I want you to add a couple things up. God is perfect, Yeah. The world was perfect at that point in time, yeah? So was Adam, wasn't he? And God says something really interesting. It's not good. No, Ryan, I don't remember that. It said it was good, I thought. No, actually, uh, look at Genesis here, 2.18. The Lord said, it is not good with a perfect God, a perfect man, and a perfect world. It's still not good that man's alone. That ought to get you goosebumps. Uh, If that doesn't, I don't know what's going to ever work for you then. Uh, Also, it should give you like a, that doesn't sit right with me. I thought God is enough. Sure, he is, but he says it's not good. The design of man, it's not good for him, for her to be alone. That's just wild. That's just wild. I will make a helper fit for him. So by design, you were made for a deep connection with another person. By design, 
You and God alone in a garden, all perfect, is not enough. It's not enough. You are designed for connection with, in this, this is a, this is a marital situation, but you're going to see when Jesus comes and walks the earth, he didn't walk alone, did he? You can't either. I can't. I can't do it alone. I personally don't want to do it alone. I always used to kind of think I was an introvert, but it was just insecurities that kept me from being a little more outgoing. And then all of a sudden, uh, once, I, once I realized, hey, I don't really care about these insecurities anymore. They are what they are. Like, I am who I am. Uh, so whether you love me or hate me, I am who I am. So we're going to hang out, and I'm just going to be me, and that is what it is. And all of a sudden, I started getting along with people just fine. It's crazy. And I started living a fuller life, man. I started having more joy and more peace and less stupid thoughts. So in, in scripture, we see often God says it's just not good. He doesn't say bad. He says not good. So I'll say, hey, I had, uh, I had uh, some not good thoughts when I lived alone in isolation. Uh, but my thoughts got a lot better when I started hanging out with people because it's God's design. That's the big deal there. So uh, we are created for connection with God and others. That's what we learned there from Genesis 2.18. Uh, being known is, an, is essential to thriving as a human and as a spirit-filled believer. It's just humanity, there's this, there's this real divide, and I need you to have a divide in your mind between humanity and we know that humanity needs connection because in isolation, addiction thrives. And so we see all kinds of bad things happen. But the next level is when humanity says yes to God, it's all that, it's for me, it's that much more important that I partner with the saints around me. I really want you to see this message as not just a destiny church thing. I want you to see this as, hey, you're sitting in a room of saints. If you guys are believers and followers of Jesus, you're sitting in a room of saints. Come on. Yeah. And you are numbered in the saints. This, the, I love Eric teaches us from Fox's book of martyrs often. And we hear stories like that, like, and I'll share one here in a minute. We think like, man, what the heck am I doing? I'm not getting martyred for anything. I'm not, nothing's happened. Yeah, because you're really blessed. You live in the United States of America. Yeah, that's really, that's really something for you to have a, a nation that's freedom of religion. It's pretty wild. You can still be radical for God. You don't have to be martyred to be radical for God. Uh, but I will say, you can't live radical for God unless you're connected with people around you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a couple amens on that. But there's certain gift mix, gift mixes. We all know that some of us uh, are good at some things and others are not, yeah? But some of you that like to be the lone wolf are like, this is just not, this isn't right. Sorry, I didn't design it, God did. This is right, and it's uncomfortable at times, but it's right. It's the way you were designed. So. I got two propositions, so you can say, I can say until I, I can yell, I can scream, connect! But you're like, what the heck is that, man? Like, what is that, really? I do connect. I go, I hang out with my buddy, we go out for uh, lunch, we sit next to each other, we both stare, for, stare straight forward, we talk about the weather, we eat, we hung out, we're connected. 
Yeah, no, sorry, man. I understand that that was a really comfortable form of connection because nothing was real at all. Talking about the football game, which I know we're all going to talk about the football game, and we might have some passionate exchanges about certain things, and that's, kind of, that's good. I like seeing some passion, some emotion involved, but it's not very deep. It's just surface-level stuff. There was no connection that happened there. I'm talking about connecting through emotion. I feel this way. In confession, I messed up. I need, to, I need to tell you something that's been bothering me. I messed up. I have some hidden sin in my life I want to confess. Now that's really living. Whoa, Ryan, no, uh, no thanks. But that, that sounds like uncomfortable, inappropriate. Uh, no, no thank you, no thank you. I get it. But even like this place here, this place is a place, this is a sanctuary, this is a place of worship. What do we do? We have an altar up here. We have altar calls. You come up, you, you bring things to get rid of, and then hopefully you catch some freedom from that. And, uh, and that's kind of up to you to catch the freedom. But I, I, I have an idea here of this, this I want an idea of being known and connected. So let's go to Jesus and see kind of what he does for disciples when he goes and uh, he, he just has like a few exchanges with them and all of a sudden they're like, yep, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. I'll drop everything. We're going. Here's what he says. He says uh, <clears throat> to Matthew, uh, also known as Levi here, and, and it says Matthew 9.13, he says, uh, Jesus is saying this to him. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So hold on, does that mean you need to clean up your act before you get right with God? No, that's backwards and that's wrong because you'll never clean up your act without God. You'll always be a sinner unless you just go to him filthy, just filthy, dirty, hungover, uh, just, I mean, just dragging yourself to the presence of God and let him clean you because he's a good father. He loves you. He cares for you. Jesus is your friend. He's kind. Only the Pharisees were brutal and rude and would call you mean names and would, would accuse you. Only the Pharisees, not Jesus. Our Jesus would come and sit with sinners, with crooks, with prostitutes, and he'd call the life right into them. You know how he did that? By talking about the weather. No, man. No, by connecting with them deeply. He talked about something that actually matters. The weather doesn't matter. That's exciting. A tornado comes through. Yeah, we're probably going to talk about the weather, and it might matter. My house got tore down. So, you know, like, that would matter then. But I'm telling you, a deep connection, a deep connection means we have meaningful conversations. I want to reference what Jesus is referencing here. When he's talking about this, he's actually quoting, because Jesus knows Scripture very well. He's, he's uh, quoting... Hosea 6.6, 6. it says, for I desire, this is, I, I like this so much more for me than even what Jesus is saying, but this is what he's quoting. I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Do you get the disconnect between burnt offerings and the knowledge of God? One says, you asked me to do this, I'll do it. The other one says, I know you, therefore I know what to do. I know how to do this because I know you. 
Not just you asked me to, but I know you. Jesus doesn't care about the burnt offerings. That was for them to get right with God. A selfish person that thinks about themselves all the time says, oh crap, I gotta get up here and get my sins right or I'm going to hell, man, or I'm gonna get punished. I gotta get rid of this stuff in my life, so I gotta get the burnt, get the goats, or get the sheep, let's get them, let's get them on that offering so I can get right because it's all about me. And so I don't perish. The problem with that is you don't know Jesus at all. If you did, you'd say, man, there's something in between me and Jesus, and that hurts my heart bad. Because I have intimate conversations with Jesus, and he tells me how much he loves me and cares about me. It was only the Pharisees that said, listen, man, you don't get right with Jesus. You're going to hell. You're filthy. You're disgusting. Jesus doesn't say that because he's kind and loving. I I taught in um, a fight club a while back about uh, righteousness and about uh, about, uh, repentance. There we go. Repentance. And uh, I want to do it just because I think it's so important. I just need you to understand who you're going to get to know and the reason you want to connect. I know I've been talking about connecting with people, but I need you to get a good example about connecting with people set in front of you or else you won't have any desire with connect, to connect with people because humanity does a pretty crap job of connecting with people. Even those good counselors and those good, uh, all those people that have know all the books, it's all synthetic in comparison to my God, our God, the only God. Do you know that? So with repentance... There's this idea that it's this uh, 180 degree turn and we're headed this way and it's a behavioral change. That is all true, but you can have none of those things without first having true repentance. So you're like, well, Ryan, that's what repentance means. No, actually, it's not. It's a Greek word that describes, and, and uh, I talked about it. Joey knows the word. Where's Joey at? Metanoia. Metanoia. There we go. See, it's a wonderful it's wonderful. Joey's a, if you don't know this about Joey, he's a scholar. And he, I'm not kidding. He really is a scholar. So metanoia, it's this idea that actually means to change the way you think about God. It does not have to do with changing your behavior. Changing your behavior is a side effect, a symptom of changing the way I think about God. God isn't this cruel uh, master that beats me with a stick. He is a loving God that says, hey, I know it, I understand it, I overcame it. You have the option to come with me and we're gonna do awesome things. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know, Lord. I, you know, it, it, that is who Jesus is. He's kind and patient. That's just not how the Pharisees are. I want you to really get this. Because as you connect with your brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a real fear of the Pharisee spirit. You just don't know it's a Pharisee spirit. You just think it's Christians. Because a lot of your Christian brothers are like, you idiot! Why are you still doing the drugs? Why are you still looking at the porn? Why are you still uh, messing up and cheating and lying? You're an idiot! God so loved you! Stop! That's what a Pharisee would say. And he might actually be more ugly than that. That's just not how Jesus approaches us. So that is not how you will approach one another. It's not how I will be approaching you. It may be how I want to approach you. 
but I'm going to deny my flesh and pick up the cross. I want to be loving like Jesus is loving. So in this environment of connection, we have got to be gracious and kind and patient with each other. Because we're all just, no, I'm not as broken as so-and-so over there. I'm not, I don't care because you are. Your pharisaical spirit right now is just as broken as that addiction that person's dealing with. So that's the big concept before we really dive in to uh, what it is to be connected. Because if I come in living life through confession leads to deep connection. If I come with confession and you come at me like a Pharisee, I'll probably never want to connect with you again. So it's really important that we know who Jesus is. He's our example. We follow him and then we start to do this thing called the church and connection, deep connection. So um, God wants to be known and he made us in his image. You want to be known. That's one thing that you might not know about yourself is that you want to be heard. Being known is actually being heard more than anything. So it's this concept that when you have a conversation with somebody, if you want them to have identity and be known, let them talk. So listen, and then it's not this whole, and I'm, I'm kind of bad at this, so like I say, I'll throw myself under the bus real fast. It's, it's, it's don't interrupt, man, just let them hear it and just give them, mm, wow, wow. Don't give them the old, you know, the scripture says, and you give them all those scriptures to say why they're acting dumb. That's not letting them be, be, feel known. It's not letting them feel known. Let, just let them talk. and let it just, That's what Jesus does all the time for us. He just lets us talk, and then he speaks and shatters everything. I'm thinking of the woman at the well. She starts going, to, no, you can't, you can't be friends with me. I'm a filthy woman, and I'm not from here. And he says, I know, I know, yeah, I know. And then he tells her, yeah, I know. Don't worry about that. I already know. And so anyway, that's a concept for us. I want to share a couple stories with you. Um, I asked my grandfather, who's 82. He is a, a wonderful man. He's been a believer since the 60s. I mean, a, a serious believer. He's born and raised Lutheran, a, a very... Uh, Stern German family uh, raised there in southern Minnesota. And uh, he uh, got the Holy Ghost, though, after a minute. He really got into the Holy Ghost in the late 60s and 70s. And uh, it did something that changed him. Nothing against uh, the Lutheran Church, because actually it started in the Lutheran Church. His story starts out like this. Young man, um, uh, uh, handsome and strong, farmer, athlete, uh, very proud, very proud man. Gets married young. Um, uh, my grandma, beautiful woman, so you know, a good looking couple, and they just think they have the world kind of thing. Uh, like I said, though, he's farming cattle here and there. But his phrase to me was, well, I just thought I was the man. I, he's like, I practically thought I owned that woman, and I'm the man, and if I don't get what I want, I am it. Like I, I, he, a lot of pride, he says. I had just pure pride. He says, until one day, he goes in the little farmhouse that we had. He goes, I climbed the stairs, laid down in bed, and he goes, I just gave up. He's like, man, God, if you're real, he's like, I've been praying to you at Lutheran Church for years, but if you're actually real, I need you to do something. Show yourself, because this sucks. He's like, I'm done with this marriage. I'm done farming. I'm not happy in life. He's broken. 
So suddenly, uh, well, it worked out like this. Uh, unfortunately, I should say it like this. He, he lost an uncle. And I was out in California. So him and his wife got together and uh, went out to California to stay with an aunt. That aunt was a spirit-filled believer. And as soon as they came in, she noticed, hey, this marriage is off. There's something off here. And, uh, well, my nephew here, he's not very serious about the Lord either. She says, hey, why don't you come out? This, this would be the late 60s. Why don't you come out to the old, uh, lamp, it was called Lamplighters. That's what it's called, Lamplighters Bible Study. Why don't you come out to Lamplighters Bible Study with me here, kiddos? Yeah, no, no, we, we got our favorite show. They, this is Hand to Heaven. I know you guys think I'm always ripping on shows, because I am. But uh, my grandma said she wanted to watch her favorite show, so she wasn't going to go to that meeting. Uh, my favorite show's on tonight, can't go. And as you know, there's no DVR back then. So they stay there, watch your favorite show, and um, they call it a night. And the catch was, uh, it's California, so it's sunshine like 90% of the year. And there's not like ever rain, obviously. And when there is rain, uh, there's not really any thunder. And so grandpa and grandpa, and, and his, his aunt had made this clear to him. Hey, there's, you know, there is rain, but there's no thunder. Well, that night in bed, they both heard thunder and real intense. It just woke them up and like, you know, scared them a little bit. I'm like, what is that? The next morning they go and they say, yeah, I thought you said there's no thunder. Thunder last night. Did you, did you hear it? She says, no, I didn't hear it. Let's, let's talk, let's talk, let's ask around. Nobody heard the thunder except for them. They knew it was God saying, hey, something needs to change. It's time for the change. They get back to uh, southern Minnesota, small town, uh, new Lutheran pastor that played the guitar and liked to get wild. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it was clear. They, it, they were living a life, you know, like they, say he was, he's, he, he says it like this, I was playing ball. I'm not, I'm not totally sure what that ball was. He just says I was playing ball. I know he's good at football. I did, you know, I just sat there and listened. So uh, he says, I was playing ball a lot. We were hanging out with our friends. He was like, man, we were partying. We'd come in when the sun was coming up. He goes, I'd be hungover. He's like, it was just a wild life we were living before this encounter with God. He goes, and all of a sudden, I had to say no to all those friends. No, we're not coming out anymore. We're not coming out tonight. And uh, all of a sudden, he started saying yes to the people he's hanging out with at the body of Christ, at the local church. He started hanging out with them. And my whole goal in this conversation was to get, uh, to understand how did God become the Lord of your life, Grandpa? I figured it was this big pride thing he gave up, and all of a sudden he was very successful, and da da da. And it was just, he goes, no, no, it was uh, through a process of, of giving up and then getting involved uh, at my local church. He goes, and then me and your grandma started studying the Word of God. He goes, but I farmed all day. And he goes, so your grandma would sit there after she'd take care of the kids, she'd study the Word of God all day, she'd write it in a notebook, everything she was learning about God. He goes, so between. Her recording that stuff, which he said every night they'd, they'd come together and they'd open that notebook and she'd teach him about God at night, every single evening. This marriage was on the rocks. Remember grandpa said he thought he like owned her at one point in time? Well, he was brought real, real, real low in a, uh, in a beautiful, humble place. And now the woman he thought he owned was teaching him about God. And he fell deeply in love with her. It's an amazing deal. They also fell deeply in love with the fellowship at the church. And he goes, man, through that fellowship, he goes, I just got taught all kinds of things about the Holy Spirit, which 
got me radical for God, and I just started giving everything to God. He's like, my life, my heart, it just everything went to God. And so all of a sudden, this big shift happens in my grandfather's life. And he's still a believer to this day. It's, uh, it's, it's a wild deal. And through many trials, let me tell you, my grandma unfortunately dies about 10 years later, give or take, 10, 15 years later, of cancer. And he had experienced a loss. But he had just pure joy because he knew she was in heaven. That's a big deal. But he, the, 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 the catch on that is that he says, man, I mistreated her for so long. Then we fall in love. We're deep in love. And then I lose her. And, he's like, and it was just one of the hardest parts of his life. But he was prepared because he had a fellowship of believers around him. And he knew Jesus. And he knew his wife knew Jesus too. I see that, uh, that story and I see it throughout all the saints. Because that's a story of a saint. Is my grandpa sainted by the Catholic Church? No, but my grandpa's a saint. My grandpa is still alive, like I said, and he's living, he's living his best life. He's 82 and he's engaged to get married. I'm very excited for him. It's exciting. Uh, but uh, I say all that to say, listen, we have got to bring a community around us. We're going to get to marriage here on the tail, but we, got, we have got to bring a community of believers around us. We have to approach each other with, with humility and, and kindness. Be kind to one another. Scripture says, as in Ephesians, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Put off all malice. Put off all, all rage. Be kind I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a wild thought. Uh, so I want to go to John, 1 John. It says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. It continues there. I want to jump down a little bit, down to starting in uh, 1 John 3.16. Uh, it says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Hold on, I thought that was like reserved for a marriage, right? I mean, yes, that's true, it is in a marriage, but it also is in the brotherhood, the, the, the family of Christ. For the ladies here, don't get offended about brotherhood. You're part of the brotherhood, let me say it. It's for all of us, that is what saints do for each other. The problem is it's not what Americans usually do for each other. And if my identity is firmly founded in my Americanism or my, uh, uh, my Democrat stance or my Republican stance or, or whether I'm black or I'm white and that's my identity and that's who I am, those are my people, you'll always be a loser when it comes to the gospel. Because when you get saved and set free, you're a believer. We all share the same father. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't care where you're from, how you speak, uh, whether I get to laugh at your southern accent, Jeremy, or not. I don't care where you're from. You're my brother in Christ. And we'll stand together in Christ. And I will confess and I will connect deeply with you. And I'll call you out when you don't do those things, as you will call me out when I don't do those things, and we'll do that in love because we actually care for the design that God designed us to be, how God made us, and what he's called the saints everywhere to do. Because this, you see this, again, you're in America. 
We have arguments about politics like wild, and kind of for good reason. They really started affecting our life pretty intensely, I should say, pretty much forever. But I feel as though they've affected our life intensely in the last 20 years. It's like, whoa, a lot of things have been changing fast. This, this side of the aisle, and then this guy gets elected, and then all the policies go this way. And it's like, man, it just keeps getting more intense. I don't know how much longer we can whip. We, it's like we're fishtailing. It's like, hey, pretty soon we're going to be, it's not going to be pretty. That's good, and it doesn't matter because you're a believer. You're not a Republican. You're not a Democrat. You're not white. You're not black. You're not whatever. You're a believer. You're a saint, and you stand next to your saints right here every day. I hope. <laughs> Let me just take it with, I hope so, or else you're going to have a lonely, sad life, and you're going to have no success in the gospel. You're going to have no relational success, and your marriage is going to suck because this design has to be expressed because you were made for this expression. Have you noticed the world comes against it? Have you noticed the world says, no, it should be all about you. I'll give you the best truck, the best house, the best this, the best that, the biggest TV, the, 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 you can have the identity at the local club and you can have the best career and I, I am the man when I show up in that career. I get some identity there. I'm sorry, but if you're a believer, you should not be getting identity from those things. They will kill, steal, and destroy. Whoa, you just associated that with hell? Yeah, I'm sorry I did, because those things steal from your heavenly identity. Therefore, they're opposing to God's will for you. What's the only thing that opposes God's will? Hell. So, oh, there we go, look at that. I'm watering the rug. We'll see you next week if something grows there, huh? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hopefully not mold. No, this room is cleanly. We sanitize this room. Uh, so I want to continue this. We said uh, we left off with li you, you lay your life down for your brother. But if anyone has uh, the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? If you see your brother in need and you're not willing to answer that need and you have the means to do so, I didn't make this up. This isn't some manipulation. This church is trying to manipulate me to do things. No, we're not. We're teaching you the gospel. You just don't like it. Most of the time. I like it. I like when it calls me out. Uh, he says, little children, let us not love in the word or talk, in word or talk. So let us not love in word or talk. You talk a good game. But indeed, and in, this is a big one, truth. I can tell you I think you're uh, handsome and smart, but I might be lying. I, you get what I'm saying? Flattery is not, is not flattering, my friend. It's just not worth it. Be honest. Let's live life together. I don't want you to say, oh, Ryan, best message ever. And actually, you didn't like it at all. That just that doesn't help me at all. I need you to tell me, hey, Ryan, you're a little off in that area, which actually, there is at least three or four people that will call me out on these sermons, and I love it. Those people, it's amazing. That scripture wasn't quite right. You said it wrong, or you do it, and I'm like, thank you. Thank you for helping me become a better preacher, a better believer, a better saint, so I can better address and equip God's people to go and do this thing called connection and love and, and following Jesus rather than just simply believing in Jesus. So anyway, God's laid out a picture here in scripture for us that we must 
Love our brothers and sisters, our fellow saints. You see this in the early church. Like I, I've, I've, I'm trying to set a, a precedent for the fact that um, it's not so necessary in America. They, because the church has failed to do their job, the government has picked that up, and now the government just gives people money, and the church doesn't have to anymore because everybody else already, you know, they're already getting what you need kind of thing. But that hasn't been true throughout history. I'd like to uh, love people and, and let the government... Uh, you know, mind their own business, man. We're going to love people and we're going to do what we're supposed to do as a church, as the early church did. I want to go back to a setting long ago, uh, second century Carthage. Uh, if you don't know, Carthage is actually a, a pretty, uh, a, quite a developed city. And at this point in time, uh, the Romans have already conquered it and taken over. So it's under Roman rule. Um, so I'll read it like this here. Second century century Carthage, the second century AD, of course, has a vibrant Christian community that includes uh, the church father Tertullian. I hope I'm saying that correct. I believe I am. I've heard it said, so I believe I'm saying it right. Among those drawn to the growing church was a young mother, mother named Perpetua. Perpetua. I got close with Petra, but I wanted to name her Perpetua. And Hannah was like, no, this is too much. But I wanted to name her after a saint, a martyr for the faith. This is a young lady, but she's the daughter of a prosperous, providential family. Dude, she is a very powerful woman. She has people and servants in that household. But she would sneak out of that household at night to go meet with fellow Christians. You know, one of her closest friends, Felicity, was a slave. Was a pregnant slave, actually as one of her closest friends. I'm, I'm trying to emphasize that that's what Christians do. They don't care about status. They don't care about this, this skin of the color, or the, the, the color of the skin. There we go, wow. They don't care about that. They love each other because they are united under Christ. So she sneaks out. She goes, gets, she goes and gets involved in this church. Needless to say, Rome does not like churches at this point in time because they say that the Roman gods are fake and that there's only one God and his name is Jesus and he came and died for us. So this church gets persecuted. They run down these believers. They put them in prison. Uh, Felicity ends up having her baby in prison and uh, Perpetua's there. Her, her dad makes attempts to get her out and, and it's all just a, a wild mess. But the, it comes down to this moment of denying Christ for them. Deny Christ, we'll let you out of prison, go back to your normal life. Not a single one of them would. What does that mean? That means they're going to continue in prison. They're going to eventually go to the Colosseum. The Colosseum in Carthage. There's a Colosseum there. What happens at the Colosseum? We get to watch wild animals that were captured rip people apart. And we get to cheer about that. And that's, that's you, oh, the world was so wicked then. I, I don't know, man. I think the world's pretty wicked still. Uh, <laughs> and in, in, in different ways. Uh, but we see this early church, all these people from, from high class to low class to, to slaves, they all stand together and they all get brutally murdered in a coliseum. The wonderful part about this, kind of the, the miraculous thing, is that by account, I believe it's the jailer that's recording this entire story, and it gets uh, propagated, like the story gets uh, propagated throughout the Christian, Christian community. They, they spread this, they have this recording, and this is what actually St. Augustine is going to use to move the church forward too. So this idea of hell to stop Perpetua and her little local church backfires on them badly because these people stand together, 
no matter what, no matter where they're at, and they get mauled, they get thrown around, and it, the irony is that evidently God's with them because they don't die. There's a bear that won't attack the pastor. There's a bull that throws Perpetua around, just horns and boom, and thrown around. She doesn't die. None of them die. And in fact, they're like, when does it start? And they look at it, and they're like, you've been thrown around for the last hour. What do you mean, when does it start? Don't you hurt? She's like, no, I haven't felt any pain. Needless to say, you're like, oh, good, then they get away, right? And then they get to, no, they get beheaded in the next moment. But that is the most, uh, in that scenario, that's going to be the most gracious way to die is to be beheaded because it's instant versus being mauled by a bull, lion, or bear. So that being said, I love this. You're like, Ryan, I don't love that. I don't want that. I'm not interested. Connection was the key. Things are not going to separate us. We're not going to be afraid of what others think. This is a community of believers, the early church. So, I'm talking about connection and standing together through thick and thin. I'm talking about challenging you to go out of your way and find your fellow believer that needs help and do something. So, okay, well, what, what, what can I do, Ryan? This is good. I, I like so far, I'm, I'm okay with this idea. What can I do? Well, in this house, we've designed a few things. We've designed uh, an encounter weekend. That's kind of the first step. Hey, I'm a believer. I want to do something more. I go to encounter weekend. What, well, hey, this is a weird thing. Why do I got to go stay the night somewhere? That's not my bed. You know, I have a purple mattress. And my purple mattress is comfy. I couldn't possibly go out to that place. Share a room with those disgraceful people, you know, like, or whatever. Like, maybe you don't like somebody, honestly. So you will not go because it'll be too uncomfortable because you don't like so-and-so, or that guy's kind of smelly, or I don't trust that guy. Dude, the early church, they're getting, they're in prison together, having babies in prison, and getting mauled. I would argue that might be the reason you're sitting here today. What do you mean? I mean that those saints did something that got recorded. I'm able to, to encourage you today. The early church, the next couple hundred years, are encouraged by her acts of bravery and that unity in that church. But man, you're, you're like, dude, I can't even go on this encounter because it's just uncomfortable. What are you talking about, you first world person? That's crazy. Like, you can't get uncomfortable for two, three days? Two nights, two nights. That's great. Like, honestly, let's scale this. In the scheme of saints, yikes, we're pretty soft. We can't even do two days. It's uncomfy. I don't like it. And the food might not be good. I have a special diet, you know. Was Felicity catered to in prison? Was Perpetua? Now, hold on. Some of you laugh, some of you don't laugh because you're like, yeah, that's real. I know it's real. Let's go have the pain together. We're at least going to be together. It, it's, I, honestly, it's not the best food ever. It's not the worst food ever. I've had much worse food. It's not the most comfortable bed ever. It's not the worst bed I've ever been in. But we're doing it for the gospel, man. We're doing it for the church to move forward in our faith. Because if you don't do that, you'll always be a loser. I, some of you don't probably like when I say that. <clears throat> I'm telling you because I am sick of being a loser in my life. And I'm a loser every time I say no to the gospel because it's, I'm afraid. I'm, it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm not, I just can't, we can't afford to do that. 
You'd say, yes, we can. We live in a free country and we're all relatively wealthy. We can't afford to do that. Yeah, but can we really? And is that really how we define ourselves nowadays? That's crazy. It's crazy. So anyway, we have, like I said, there's a system uh, that we've kind of installed to uh, help you become a greater saint. It's not to indoctrinate you, it's to help you become a, a better saint, a better loving person. So uh, you have this encounter, at encounter with God, you get personal stuff, you get personal break, breakthrough, and you break free of some of these things that have been holding you back, some, some, some goofy things that you believe about God that have been holding you back, you, you get through those things, and then we've set up, hey, if you really want to continue with this thing, go through a growth track. It's continued teaching in the gospel to get off a, a strange theologies that are holding you back. There's a whole run of theology out there that says God is going to punish you, God's going to get you. That, and, and listen, I, we, there is the wrath of God. He did, as Eric said last week, he saved us from himself. That is true, but he also saved us for himself because he's so loving. So that being said... There's a deal. And then eventually you can go and you can get uh, empowered as a leader and you get to go do something called, you can start a connect group. Or I hope before you start a connect group, I hope you're going to a connect group. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. I'm busy. I got golf. I got my business. I got my uh, car and truck. They need to be waxed and whatever else. I've got, uh, uh, the, I got league. I got meetings. I've got things to do. I don't have time for that. Listen, I get it, because we are in the first world, we fill our schedules up with stuff that some of it's meaningful, most of it's not meaningful, and you could actually go without it, and your life really wouldn't be any different. Um, but that being said, this is always a challenge. And it's funny, because uh, I'm sorry to throw this statistic at you, but it's like 20% of this room's involved with connect groups. It means 80% of you just are not involved in connecting. I'm not trying to, hold on, don't take this to heart right away. I'm just trying to tell you the statistics. It's something for you to think about. I'm not trying to say, you're fat. Yeah, I'm not doing the Pharisee thing. I'm just trying to throw this out for you to say, hey, here's the numbers. Just think about those things for a minute. Now, that being said, um, I know I look at some of you, I'm looking at Matt. Matt drove an hour, at least an hour. Is it more than an hour to get here? Yeah, an hour to get here. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty wild. I love that. Uh, now, I'm not saying everybody, it's, it's, it's reckless, uh, reckless abandonment of all responsibilities in the world to, to do the church. That's not what I'm talking about either. I'm talking about being rational, but I'm telling you, hey, if this fellowship actually is the core of people laying down their lives to serve you, you're not going to find that anywhere else. Because there is no love aside from God. Well, sure there is, Ryan. There's, 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 there's love here, there, everywhere. They talk about love. Listen, any love that's not from God is synthetic. It's fake. This is the only place you find real love. And the only reason that these people can serve you as laying their lives down for one another is because we're compelled by the love of Jesus, not by our own goodness or the things that we want to do or how good we want to look. We're compelled by the love of Jesus to serve one another. It's, if, you, if you do the least, how does the scripture go? If you do this for the least of them, you've done it. Boom. There we go. So we're doing it to love Jesus, ultimately, but to care for the saints all around us. So there's the challenge is that, hey, can you do something? Well, why wouldn't you do this? Well, there's fears. Fears stop us. We have fear of rejection. We have fear of failure. I might try this and it might go badly. I might start a connect group and nobody comes and I'll feel like an idiot. You'll feel like an idiot for Jesus. Amen. 
You think Jesus felt like an idiot when he was ripped apart and naked hanging on a cross? I don't know what he's thinking, man. I, th I think he was just thinking about us. That's what I think. I think he was just thinking about us. Because you're not going to think about that one and all the pain that he was in for us. Yeah. You think uh, uh, all the saints for uh, quite a long time, uh, Perpetua, I told you she was a young mother. That means she uh, got pulled away from her child, imprisoned, and then just essentially got murdered. She didn't get to watch her child grow up, but she did it for the gospel. These are steps that are just kind of radical. You'd say, man, that's just too radical, Ryan. That's just not right. Something doesn't fit well with me there. Yeah, because if you prioritize your kids over God, your kids will always be number one, and God will always be number two. Again, not sitting well with me, Ryan. I, I, yeah, you're called to take care and protect those kids. Don't get me wrong. And you do that from the love God gives you, not from the love you muster up when they're cute. I can love my kids when they are screaming and crying and waking up my baby this morning. Because God put some love in me, and I'm going to overflow that to my children. So uh, there's a fear, like I said, fear of rejection. I don't want to get rejected. If I go to this group, they don't like me. I don't want to be uncomfortable. Hey, I'm sorry, but that's the deal. That's the call. Jesus was often uncomfortable. I so I know there's this huge thing. I'm not going to throw it out there too hard, too long. There's this huge, huge thing about the chosen. The chosen, that's demonic. The chosen's really good. I, dude, I don't care. Like, literally, it doesn't matter. I got a little inspired, though. I watched one episode, and it was the one where he's with the children. And it gave me at least the concept that uh, Jesus was a man walking the earth. Do you ever get cold when it's cold outside? Yes, yeah, so did Jesus. Had Jesus ever been cold before? No. He's God. He created everything. He doesn't, he doesn't have to feel the environment. He is the environment. But when he took on a flesh form, he got cold at night and needed to pull a blanket over. He got hot during the day in the desert. He got hungry in his 40 days with no food in the wilderness and overcame temptation. He did it for you, for this community of believers. Might we not take that for granted? Like, I hope we do not take this for granted. He set us up for success. And he did it all for freedom. So all this being said, I say all these things to you. You have free will. You get to choose whatever you want. That's the beauty. If there, if there is no... Uh, if there is no uh, no, like I can't say no to this, so I just have to do it. Well, then that, that, the yes doesn't mean anything. You get what I'm saying? In an environment where there's no no's, yes means nothing. But when it's an environment of freedom, I can say yes or no, and my yes really meant something because I had the option to get out of this. But I, uh, uh, counter and facilitators, they don't have to say yes. They're not forced to do this. They don't have to say yes. Moreover, they pay to go. I don't pay them to go. The church doesn't pay them to go. They pay their own money to go and minister the gospel and be in that, that bed that you're worried about and eat that food that you're worried about. They do all those things because they care about you getting breakthrough and freedom. This is why I say, hey, go on encounter. You're going to find a community. You're going to find like-minded believers. Then it will build something foundational in your life. You'd be like my grandfather, man, catch some freedom, no longer live a prideful, lonesome life of, of, of it's all about me, but no, hey, it's all about a ch the, us, it's all about us, the saints, it's all about Jesus, ultimately, he compels us to love each other, but it was not good for man to be alone, we need each other. And I want to close with this idea in marriage, I'm over time, I know, Joey, don't look at me, don't look at me!
So the idea here, um, I want to say, I want to say this too. Jesus sets a great example of washing the feet. The creator of heaven and earth, the man that just, that, that conquer, that's about to conquer everything, but he does something for me. I just, his, his time in the wilderness is so powerful. He comes in, the man that's conquered all temptation and the desires of the world in the wilderness comes and washes the feet, the filthy feet of the disciples. We're in sandals, we're walking in the desert, we don't have showers, these feet are filthy. Poop in the streets, there's not cars, there's animals. These are filthy feet. Jesus takes off some garment, washes the feet of them. And what do they all do? They start panicking. Don't wash my feet. Like, you're the God. You are the only God. Don't wash my feet. Let me wash. Like, let me lay down and just walk on me. Jesus says, no, I'm here to serve. Because he set an example. You are supposed to do this, too. I don't care how good, how wealthy, how talented you are. It's time to serve. The greatest amongst us is the servant. Serve the church. No, I'm not saying just serve. I'm saying serve the saints. Serve the church everywhere. Serve all. And I hope everybody else does that for each other. This is a really beautiful thing that's very countercultural. That's very against the design of the first world. It's wonderful. So my last thing I'm gonna touch on is marriages. I've said all this stuff. What, I have, what have I told you so far? In a friendship, you're supposed to lay your life down for that friend, right? If you have a little something, give it to him. All right. Miles, gave me, Miles said this to me. We were talking two days ago about this. He says, isn't it ironic that we, uh, we talk about how kind we're going to be to friends, and then we go home to our spouse and we treat them like crap? He's like, shouldn't it be that much more? Your spouse is, is a friend, and then, and then much more. Not just and then some, and then much more. If you treated a friend like you treat your spouse, you might not have any friends. So I'm sorry if you're not laughing, it's gonna be an uncomfortable moment. Um, I'm not doing this to make you feel bad. I'm, I hope, I'm, I wanna give you hope. Uh, let me tell you, I've not always treated Hannah great. Uh, and it's been more of a problem for me. I was prideful and arrogant, certainly early on, and uh, that flares up sometimes. And so I didn't treat her great. And I, that sucks. But I'm here to tell you that um, when I started saying and realizing, whoa, Ephesians says that I'm supposed to be like Christ, she's supposed to be like the church, and Christ died for the church, so I'm supposed to die to myself daily to serve this woman, and I actually started doing that, made a big difference in the marriage. It got real exciting, because then all of a sudden, all day, guess who I thought about? My number one. Oh, God's my number one. Hannah's my number two. Kids are number three. Families, family, extended family, and you guys are out there on the fourth ring. If I get any of those messed up, life's going to be bad. Yeah. If you guys get those messed up, marriage is going to suck. Something's going to suck. So uh, thinking about my wife all day, man, that really changed our relationship. That really changed my level of desire to talk and connect with her. Because it is exhilarating to live fully transparent, not hiding any lies. I even started sharing, so I started confessing. Any sin that I was into, I confessed to my wife. Hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I had these thoughts today. They were bad thoughts. Hey, I lied about this to somebody. That was really stupid. I need to go to them and uh, confess to them. And I just started telling her all these things. Then we, she started telling me things. And we start. you guys all know the connection codes. I mean, most of you might, might have been here during that time. This idea of connecting on emotions. You go around on emotion wheel and say, today I felt 
felt fear. Today I felt some shame. Today I felt some joy. Today I felt loneliness. You go around, you take like 10 minutes at night to go between each other talking about the things you experienced that day and all of a sudden, you feel known. And all of a sudden, you open up like a flower to the sunshine. You open up because you're doing God's design. It's by design. It was created for you to be successful. And so I, I, I strongly encourage confession. Now, wives or our husbands, when they confess, it is on you to not rage out on them because that's what a Pharisee would do, not what Jesus would do. Ryan, it's pretty hard to call me up to the, Jesus, the standard of Jesus. I understand that. I didn't say it was easy, but I'm telling you, it's endlessly rewarding. It's actually stepping into the design that heaven created for us. It's the design that God said, hey, it's not good that man should be alone, but I want somebody else. And then he said, what? It's very good. It's not just good, it's very good. That's insane. Nothing was very good at that point. This is so good to have connection with your spouse that it's very good. I can't yell any louder on that. I promise you. My voice is... I'm telling you from a place of victory on this one. I've had lot, we've had failures, don't get me wrong. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I have lost hope in the process. Certain days, certain times, hey, I've screwed up so much, how could I possibly succeed in this? And Hannah says, here's how we do it, we just try again. I tell my kids all the time, the only difference between a winner and a loser is that the winner doesn't give up. So don't give up. It might go ugly. Doesn't mean you run away. You try again. You get back up and try the confession thing. Try the connection thing. And you start to live a vibrant, joy-filled life. And I would, my last challenge, I know I'm over time. I have to stop. I would wager that the spirit would start to move in your life in a new way. I'd wager that the spirit would move in this church in a new way. If we had couples that, were, that there's nothing standing in between them, uh, and listen, it's a process. There's a lot of friction in the meantime when you push through these years of contempt because you never did this and I, you said that and I, it's 35 years ago, you said this to me and ever since then, I hate you. It's like, yeah, that, that's just real. Don't get, I'm not trying to make little of that. That's real. But it's worth trying to work through it to step into God's design because if you're not willing to work through it, you are outside of God's design. Well, hold on. What's outside of God? Uh, we talk about this. I know it's, a, it's, a, it's in society right now. The trans, transgender movement, that's outside of God's design. That's a, a middle finger to God's design. Homosexuality is a middle finger to God's design. That's why we call it sin. Sorry, it is sin because it's against God's design. But so is holding unforgiveness. You can't receive forgiveness if you don't forgive. That's scripture. So unforgiveness in the marriage, in hate and rage and malice towards one another, that's sin. You have to step away from it. Step into godliness. I'm not telling you it's easy, but it's rewarding. It's worth it. It's a, that's how my grandpa fell in love with his wife in the last years that he had with her. He fell deeply in love with her because they were on the same page and they talked every night and they connected over the word of God together. And it was awesome. It's awesome for me and Hannah. That's what we're doing. So my last, my challenges here today. Is God the Lord of your life? Or is all this stuff too much? No, thank you. 
That is a clear statement. God, I don't actually want your design for my life. I want my design. I'm comfortable. It would be uncomfortable to approach these subjects or these people, these connect group things, this weird encounter trash and, and all this connection stuff. No thanks. I'm sorry, but that's outside of God's design. This is the capital C church. This is the saint. So do you feel connected and known by your spouse? Do you feel connected and known? Two elements there. If you feel known, you'll start to feel connected. This is easy, actually. Believe it or not, and you might not believe me, this is easy. Just start talking to each other about what's going on in your head. And, and spouse, sit there quietly and just listen. Don't rage out. I told you that. No, just sit there quietly and listen. Don't be the Pharisee. Have you found uh, covenantal, I, big thing, we got a covenant. Covenant is a big, a big concept versus says, I'm here to see what I can give. I'm here to give up my life for you versus uh, the worldly idea, which is contractual. I'm only here on conditions, and if this doesn't go my way, I'll sue you. That is a contractual agreement. Covenantal, have you found covenantal community? Like-minded believers that are willing to go the distance with you. I hope you have. And if not, why is that? What is the, is it the fear? Is it the rejection? What's holding you back? And lastly, are you knowing, are you actually knowing in that community? You might have covenant. I might be willing to do anything for you, but I'm not willing to connect with you and confess to you. That's my stuff. That's private. Listen, I'm sorry, but that, the design is to live life out loud to have people step around you. I can't come and help you if you don't tell me what's going on. So anyway, uh, I understand this sermon maybe not, it was not quite as linear as some would have appreciated, but the idea is clear in its connection and anything that's not that, that's not living a connected life is actually sin because it's outside of God's design. So Father God, we thank you today. We praise you. Uh, prayer team, if you guys would come up front here. Uh, God, you are a good God. There is none like you. You are holy and wonderful. You conquered the earth. You were, you were cold at night and hot during the day for us. You, you were starving in the desert to, to conquer temptation for us. I cling to that, Father. May we all cling to your victory because we have victory in Jesus. And we'll have victory here. We'll live brave. We won't live like cowards anymore, cowarding from the uncomfortable or the fear or the, the rejection. Jesus, we want to we live brave lives, open with truth and honesty, God, so we can get the healing and we can connect with your soul, Father. Our souls with you, in Jesus' name. There is nothing like you. No, not one. You are the creator. You are the alpha and the omega. And you're my intimate friend that cares about my every thought and emotion. Cares about my fears and worries. Cares about my broken places. And all my secrets and hidden thoughts. Jesus, you know them. You know me. Father God, God, we pray for restoration of marriages in Jesus' name. It's actually more simple than the world's lied to you that it is. Pray for thriving connections in Jesus' name. 
And as that happens, it's going to be a, a downhill effect. <laughs> or I should say, kind of uphill, but this is going to get better. As you break the strongholds, man, it's all just going to tumble down. And there's going to be so much freedom and, and glory and wonder and goodness and joy and peace in this marriage because it'll be founded in God. It'll be founded in God's hope and joy. In Jesus' name, Father God, we thank you. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.